0: So for the last several weeks, we've been digging into God's providence. Today, we're kind of getting into that portion of the study um, where we start exploring the history of, of how the church has tended to view this. Um, one thing that I want to kind of lay out there from the beginning: this is one of those this is one of those areas where um, where where believers have from the early days. Um, Struggled with, um, the idea of God's control over, over creation, right? And, and when I say struggle with, I don't mean that they, that they don't believe it, um, but what I mean by that is how do we answer, and, and, and this is what we'll find, is that, is that, is that across the board, if you say is God in control, the church historically has said yes. Now, how you answer certain problems has been what has, has typically divided into two major areas from the beginning to today, the understanding of God's providence, right? So, so when we dig into this, that's what I, like, like the thing that I hope for, that we see today, because... And and the reason that I want to approach it in the in the in the way that that I approach it is what we tend to find is that if you hold and I'm going to classify these views not in like so so it tends to be that the ideas that we know don't always originate from the names from which we know them from. But the person that gets credit for great ideas is the last one to have said it, and it stick right. So, like those those two big ideas that you could push these things way back in some degree, all the way um, to the early church, would be Armenianism and Calvinism. These are the these are the two major ways in which um, this these ideas um, have kind of like n- that, that we now see them presented, right? But but these ideas predated. Um, Arminius and Calvin, right? Like, like these ideas predated them. And believers, like blood, bolt—you will be with them in heaven. Believers from the very beginning have held to one or the other or some, like some, like amalgamation of the two, right? So when I say that, what we should get, like, (coughs) like. We should not get what we tend to get, right? What we tend to get today is if you hold to one, then you demonize the other. Right, like that tends to be the that tends to be the case. So if if you hold to Arminianism, then you would look at someone who who holds to to a view that's more Calvinistic, and you would say like, well, they 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 say this, or they say that, or they say this, and then someone on the other end who holds to a view that's that's more like Calvinistic in its in its like the way that it presents itself, like you would tend to look at you, they would tend to look at those who would hold an Arminian view, and they would say, well, you do this, or you do that or you do this and one thing that that I hope that this study through church history and the views of the church one of the things that I hope comes out of it is that it helps us To understand that 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 it's not always as easy as we would like to make it, right? Because this is one of those things that throughout church history we've not found that one particular view is stuck and then just and and then it became the majority view. Right? You tend to find that even from the beginning, this wrestling with these ideas and and believers that everyone would know, like when I quote these names, it won't be the first time that you've heard these names, are on both sides of this debate. So when we hear that, like when we when we get to that point, one thing that I that I hope comes is that we approach it gracefully. Right? Like that's the thing that I hope. That when we see that the church has typically that 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 like blood-bought, I, I say blood-bought believers, right? Like, like these are people that will be in heaven. There are people that will be in heaven that are on both ends of the spectrum and somewhere in between. So because of that, when we come together, we are all brothers and sisters, right? Like, we are we are all part of the family of God, but we're trying to answer questions, and we're, we're we want to be great, I want to be very great, like gracious in saying that you come to the opinion that you come to, because we're why? Because you dig into Scripture. If you don't, we're not even having a discussion. If you haven't based your understanding of a particular view on your understanding of Scripture itself, well, we can't even have a discussion yet. Because like it should, we should both be coming to our conclusions because we're looking in God's Word and that's that's coming into our minds because we're studying Scripture, right? And that's what's happened. Like, people on both ends of this have studied scripture have sought god and still this struggle with with how do we answer this has existed from the very beginnings unto now and and i and i would say like i would put forward that the primary like the central point for which both sides tend to divide is how we approach or how we answer the problem of evil, right? It tends to be in the way that we approach the problem of evil, like the the way in which we answer why evil at all... That tends to be the kind of the wedge that starts splitting these views. That's where you start, like if you're going to examine them and you're wanting to to kind of put each view under the microscope, it would it would typically be like how you begin answering the problem of evil is the way in which you're, you you would mo- you would most quickly see how these two particular views might might divide themselves, right? So. Um, this morning, I want to kind of—I'm um, going to be doing—and one of the reasons that I wanted to, to kind of um, uh, forego the the prayer request this morning is because it's going to—there's going to be a ton of reading this morning, and I know when I say that, some of y'all are like, "Oh no, Linda's going to be reading to us. This is going to be." snooze news <laughs> fest, right? So I So it won't. It won't surprise me if, if this doesn't um, become boring at some point. But I think that it's worth the effort because as we're going to press through, like church history, looking at kind of the the, the big sections of church history, I want to quote from believers. To see like so that we can see the way that they think. So one thing that I want to kind of put out there before I start reading any of these is by me quoting them, it is not me saying that I approve of all that they've said here, right? Like in this in this study, the quotes today that I'm going to be making are not scripture, right? These are believers speaking to what they've come to understand from digging into scripture. So I want us to I want us to peer into the mind of other believers through the things that they've said, through the things specifically that they've written down that we have of them. right. So like as we look at these, don't think that just because you've heard that name before, they seem like a famous believer like you know that, that, that everything that they say is true. like don't right, Don't take it like that. Um, just kind of take it in, absorb it. I want you to kind of get your mind in the way that they were that they were thinking. Um, so that we can at least like today the the, the understanding should should be that the that the thing that we're digging into is a difficult thing right like it's a difficult thing to wrestle with so we should we should show grace that we have disagreements that that's the that's the primary thing that I want that I want to kind of come out today so um, I want to start off by saying that, that if you take a survey of of, of Church history from the early church to today, that what you'll find is that the church has historically affirmed that, in addition to creating the world, God exercises control over His creation through His providence. So, this is both sides of the argument would ag- would ag- would agree to this. Um, it it would be in the digging out of these details that you would find where those differences kind of um, bubble up. So, um, we're gonna we're gonna start by by looking at a couple of the the believers that we have, some of the writings, these are some of the early church fathers um, as the early church is blossoming and growing and they're kind of wrestling with scripture and and an understanding of who God is and what God's doing. We have um, some of the quotes that they've made um, in this particular area of study. So um, one that I'm going to read now is from, um, from, from Origen. Um, and he says, he says this. So again, I'm, I just put it out there before I read anything. This is not scripture. This is his thoughts on these things, right? Um, so, so this is just for us to understand, um, kind of the, the the mindset of of believers um, that have come before us. So he says, of those events that happen to men, none occur by accident or chance, but in accordance with a plan so carefully considered. So, so stupendous that it does not overlook even the numbers of hairs on a person's head, not merely of Christians but perhaps of all human beings. And the plan of this providential government extends even to the caring for the sale of two sparrows for a penny. So, what do we what do we see here? This is this is a believer in the early church. This is a, one of the leaders of the early church. Um, and we find we find him um, saying here that 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 no that no event happens in according in accordance with chance um, but 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 a carefully considered plan so grand that it doesn't overlook even he says the hairs on a person's head now we know that that he's drawing from scripture when he says that right like like and and then and then at the end when he speaks of the sparrows for a penny like like he's drawing from he's drawing from his understanding of scripture one thing that I Want to point out, um, even in the quotation here. So he speaks when he when he when he says this, he makes clear that he's intending to speak of believers here, right? Like like. Um, but then he he kind of in when, whenever I read this whenever I read this quote, I think like I'm I'm kind of like like analyzing his mental state here. I'm like he 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 doesn't necessarily go all in on everyone. Um, because he says, but perhaps of all human beings. So he makes very clear that he that he believes this to be true of Christians specifically. And then it seems like in his in his quote here that um, that if this if this quote is rendered in in, in English um, effectively, that there would at least he he at least seems to give some hesitation. To doing a, a wholesale grouping because um, because he says not merely of Christians but perhaps of all human beings. So that's one of the early um, one of the early church leaders. We have another one, Tertullian, um, and so um, so. Again, like one of the things that I made mention of is kind of the 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 wedge that tends to drive between like how we answer the 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 problem of evil tends to drive between um, in the early in the early church um, they began they began speaking of god 's permission right like we have god 's will but 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 when we when they start considering evil they they began speaking of God permitting evil like so um so i I want us to to make note of that that this idea of god 's allowing evil to happen is a part of his is a part of his will and this this idea began to be um, developed as well in the early church so the idea of of God permitting evil like 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 a like a, a passive having having like not directly causing evil but not stopping it as well as being part of god 's plan so um Well God said well God said to Satan have you considered Job yeah. right like God points out God points out yeah. Job yeah but yeah exactly like so like for 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 Satan, in the account of Job, for Satan to be able to take action, like when God says, have you considered Job, it's not as though Satan had not considered Job, because Satan wasn't like, no, that's a good point that you made there. He he responds by, you've been protecting him, right? Like, that's his response. Like, of course I've been considering him, you've been protecting him. Right? So, like, like, there is that sense of, like, you get that, that picture in which, uh, and that's again like if that's the case right like if what we see in that picture uh, in scripture and job is the case then there then there's, there is there is no question that God has control to reign in right like so when we think of like when we think of evil like God God. And this is why I would say that that I, that I believe that there is no more evil than necessary, right? Like that God permits no more evil than necessary. God reigns in evil, right? But in the case of Job, God kind of releases that, right? Like he... Yeah, exactly. So, like, in each 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 evil that happened, had its limits, right? Like, all of the evil that God allowed to befall Job, there were limits all along the way. So, who was in control of that, right? Like, Satan, Satan, as evil as Satan is, father of lies, rebel against God. Like, he still cannot step beyond a certain point, even in the evil acts that he does. So, so, so this again, this idea of God permitting s- certain things, right? Like, don't let's not let's not think that we that we alleviate ourselves from from the problem of evil by saying that God permits evil, because because you could immediately go to a well, why would He permit this one or that one or this one or that one, right? So it doesn't get you over the problem at all, but it does dis it does distance or the attempt there is to distance. God being, the, um, God being the originator of evil, right? Because God doesn't commit the evil act against Job. God simply permits that evil to take place. So this, this idea of permission, right? Like, like God's permitting evil, it, it, it's, it's kind of evolving or, or it's developing um, in, in the early church and in the, in the leaders of the early church. So Tertullian made this distinction. He said, "...though some things seem to savor of the will of God..." Seeing that they are allowed by Him, it does not necessarily follow that everything which is permitted proceeds out of the mere and absolute will of Him who permits it. I'm gonna I'm gonna read that again. Again, this is not scripture. This is a this is a man who studied scripture, who teaches scripture, and this is his words about his thoughts about what he understands this to mean. Right. So so this is what. Tertullian says here though some things seem to savor of the will of God, right like what does it mean to to savor of the will of God things things seem to like like that like I can see how that would be god 's will right like the savoring of it like you get this 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 flavor like this seems to be like it 's coming from the will of God, uh, seeing that they are allowed by him, right, so God allows them this idea of permission, it does not necessarily, and here 's one of the things that I want us to be. Um, that I want us to be cognizant of is that we are we seem to be be becoming less and less aware of the words that we use in an age where we where we have no excuse for it like we use words loosely so when i like 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 when I say necessary you you probably don't think about necessary in in like the logical sense of necessity right um, you probably think of it in more loose terms but but one of the things is we, especially as we read these people that have been dead and gone for for years and years and years and years and years, one thing that like strikes me is how much thought they put into the words that they that they used. Right? Um, so he says that that though it may savor of the will of God, seeing they allow, that they are allowed by Him. He's using necessity here in, in in the strict sense. It does not necessarily follow that everything which is permitted proceeds out of a mere and absolute will of him who permits it. Right? So like he's you can see in his in his language here that he's that he's trying to he's trying to work out what it means for something to be the will of God, right? Like that's what he's that's what he's dealing with here that 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 though it may like you would say like like is God in control is it God's will and then you run into these places to where it's like do I want like do I like do I want to say that about that thing like like how do we how do we wrestle with that and then um he he's kind of he's 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 in this kind of um allowing that that idea of of permission like God allowing it um to take place. Um, to to kind of come in to to fill that to fill that void in his mind. Um, so one one thing that I also want to make note of is that um, the church has always and this is both sides, right? Like if you were to hold to an Armenian view, or were you to, were to hold to a view that was uh, closer to the Calvinist on on this spectrum. Both sides agree that there's that there's uh, compatibility of of human freedom and divine providence. Like no one no one on either side um, is saying that there's any kind of incompatibility there. Um, in in um so like so so for an, like as an example like if you hold to a very strong armenian view um and you hold like 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 human freedom is is very dear and you want to hold to a view of human freedom that is that is like Almost an unbounded human freedom. Like everybody's going to agree, there's some there's some limits there, right? Um, but what you would what someone holding that view would tend to say to someone on the other on the other side of that spectrum is that they is that they hold that they're puppets, right? like that's the so what happens is is that one that holds one view looks to the other and says, "You just think that God is a puppet master, but that 's a disingenuous view of what they actually hold, right because the person on that side is not going to say yeah they're they're, they're puppets right like that 's not what they say. We get that right Like do we understand that someone from the Calvinist spectrum is not going to say that they 're puppets?" They're gonna say you, you what they're gonna say instead is you just don't understand like but what happens is they'll say you're puppets and then and then the from the other side they'll look at the Arminian one holding the Arminian view and say, You've got a weak God. So it's like you've got a God who needs puppets and you've got a weak God that can't control anything. Like so like like we make these caricatures of the other side and we never have discussions between them and, and, and what we don't realize is that the, the believer have been doing this for forever right long before Calvin long before Arminius were ever born there were these kind of discussions being had and people wrestling with this so it does us no benefit as true blood-bought believers to not walk across the aisle to have these discussions right like that is a dangerous thing to allow these divisions to, to so press through that we can't entertain, right? Because what we do then is we make this we make this unnecessary division between and essentially look to one as a lesser believer, right? And and, and if we look and we see that, that this has been one of those this has been one of those areas throughout church history where real believers have both wound up on both sides of this thing, then we should come at it with a little humility. Like it's been difficult for everybody to wrestle with this. Right? It's been difficult for everybody. So we've got great minds on one side that don't want to have conversation with great minds on the other side. And the body as a whole is worse for wear because of that. Right? so like in so so one thing that I, that I, that I kind of wanted to make mention here is is that that it is the case that uh, that the church, like the big church that 's no matter which side of that argument you fall on, has affirmed the compatibility of human freedom and the divine providence it 's how the working out of that compatibility is discussed that you find again. Um, those differences kind of begin to uh begin to make them themselves uh more and more same Say that again? I think so. Oh okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
1: you can hear that going on there. That's a long, long time ago. Yeah. Like yeah. they
0: actually right. kind
1: of discuss their
0: views
1: of God's
0: yeah. sovereignty
1: yeah. and man's choice Yeah. Those friends that we like to put down. I don't, I don't, I don't put them down. I like we sh- a lot of people put down. And that's what... Up. Yes. I'm yes. Like they're having a conversation being honest. Yeah. And they sat for seven days without saying a word and suffering. And then they got... They opened up and they discussed their views of God. Whether they were right or wrong, they were trying to help. Yeah. They loved their friend if they wouldn't still been there. Yeah. They would have deserted him. The ones that really we should get upset with are the ones that just completely deserted you know I mean, they they had a good
0: conversation. Yeah, and that's and that's I think that's that's when I, whenever whenever I, whenever I look at this and and I and, I, and, and as I as I was kind of pressing in this and seeing like from the like 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 when you consider that that there's never been a point in church history where there hasn't been someone on either side of this. Those are those types... like because there are certain there are certain doctrines. That, that that the church has held that the church has been consistently unified throughout, right throughout history. And there are other doctrines in which we find this like this difficulty, this wrestling with. There's like almost no point in history where you don't find someone on one side or the other, at least from those that we can find like. Like their quotes or their thoughts, right, like when we consider that like what that does for me like as i as I explored the, this is essentially like like this is the church 's unified wrestling with this throughout history and all along the way they find themselves in places where it's like you've got believers on one side and believers on the other. And then we find believers along the way that are doing that very same thing. Like of the people that we will quote this morning, many of them failed in this, in this area that they were not gracious with other believers. Right, they were not gracious with other believers that held different views than them. Right, and that is not who we are as believers. Right, it shouldn't be who we are as believers.
1: We, we think feel like James and being like that. We're talking about practical wisdom this morning. and, name, and like that slow to speak, quick to listen. Yeah, yeah. Mentality, and if we really genuinely love the person on the other side of the, the debate, from across. christ love. Should be able to sit down and work through this stuff, and and I love the flat forum of a house over a meal. Yeah. And and that, song yeah. Hey, no, I'm not, I think the problem is that, like, especially with like social media age, you get just this back and forth, and there's no listening.
0: Yeah. And it's just. We don't listen, like, and that's why I say, like, we don't listen. We don't use our words effectively. We don't consider the importance of the words that we use at all, right?
1: And is our goal to really shepherd a heart, or is it to win an argument? Yes. And if yes. You're only to win the argument, you've already gone off the
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: It, it, especially as believers, we should be able to model that. Really
0: well. And these are, imp- one of the things that I want us to consider too is that these are important issues to discuss, right? Like, there are implications on either side of this that we need to wrestle with and understand, right?
1: Like, rubber meets the road day to day things. Um, so, there's some people I'm in a, I've been in Congress with that uh, have to believe that on this side of the cross God deals with man completely different than the Old Testament yeah. and they tend to neglect their understanding or digging into the beauty of the things we see now and, and I've actually not, not this particular group but I'm seeing some people that are in their teaching influence group tend to tell them that the Old Testament is not worth our study yeah, and basically yeah. says it's not, you know, it's done away with, and that Jesus fulfilled it all, and we just focus on yeah. Jesus from here on out. And so, and there's some huge implications. Like, yeah, like uh, there's a lot of things that I feel like
0: that um, neglects in our understanding of how yeah. God is. Yeah, and you know, and I th- I think what one of the things like because. I think a lot of what causes this, like where we have this division, is is that we, we, we still fail even as believers. We're still sinful even as believers. We still have pride even as believers. So like this is this is why my ideas will win, right? Like that's the mentality that we tend to take is I'm right because I read this particular thing and that particular thing and you know, like let me beat you over the head with this particular thing or that, right? Like and and that's a that's a dangerous place spiritually to be in as an individual. To be in this place to where where you won't Like, it's more about the argument being won than it is about the heart being spoken to, right? Like, so, so we need to, I, I want us to be very careful, just personally, we should be careful of those types of things. Because I think we all agree is that we've all probably been there at some point. We've all probably had that moment where we've looked at someone else who we will look at in heaven and thought that they were ignorant. Right? Or they just didn't see it. Or they hadn't been spending time in the Word. Think about that. Think about the heart that it takes to look at someone that you will look in their eyes in heaven and we think that way towards. Right? We should be careful about that. We do it. We do it. And no doubt, even after today, we'll probably fail in that at some point in the future as well. We'll be like, I'm going to straight bring your salvation into question because of what you just said there. Right? Like, no, we'll do that. We'll do that. Let's be careful there, right? Like, like, let's be careful. This has been something that the church has been um, working at um, since the very beginning, and there have been there have been believers, like I say, on 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 both sides of this. Um, so something else that kind of developed in the early church as they were as they were digging about digging into these things as they were con- continuing to think about evil itself and and how because this this particular idea of god's control over the things that he's created it finds its head it finds its point at which it's it's the the most critical to answer when it starts considering how evil around us exists in, in the light of God's control over all that He's done, um, and how to properly an- answer that. Um, so, so out of this, certain, certain ideas began to arise that there are, that there are certain, like, and you, you, some of these things you will have heard today. You may have had it, may have had it worded in a slightly different way, but you will have, have, have no doubt heard, um, <clears throat> So so so, and I can't pronounce this guy's name. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try. We're still in the in the early church, um, but he he said something to the effect that um, moral virtues like patience and faithfulness develop if and only if evil exists and persists. So like the idea that there are certain greater goods that can't exist with us absent certain evils right so like we would all say that patience is a virtue correct like it's good to be patient right like it's good to be patient it's it's bad to be impatient right it's a virtue and a vice right so how can you be patient and Lest something tries your patience, right? Like that's the idea. Like these ideas that like that there are certain things, right? Like 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 to be heroic is a good thing, right? Like to, to risk one's life for another is a is a virtue, right? Like no greater love than to lay one's life down, right? Like those type of thing. like Christ says this, right? So Christ, in laying His life down, like there's love, and there's greater love, right? Like there's depths to these things. So, to lay one's life down, to, to die, death is the result of what? Like, if there were no sin, there is no death, right? Sin leads to death, right? So, the laying down, like the ability to lay one's life down, presumes that death is an option, which presumes that sin's in the picture. So to, so to be aware of the, the love that is greater, right, to be able to see that take place, evil must also be present. Right, so this idea that for certain greater goods, certain greater virtues to exist that there likewise needed to be there needed to be some some amount of evil with which these these things present themselves. These ideas began to be developed uh, in the early church um as well um, they would they would say things like where there is no evil, human beings would not develop virtue right so like because of um, because of of where we are and our nature and, and and the world around us that we that we see these heroic acts and we can see them because evil and and they would these these types of thoughts begin developing into arguments throughout church history that try to make an answer for the problem of evil itself like like this idea of the of, of, of virtue being a greater good um, develops throughout church history into the into the greater good argument right like that we that, that there is greater good that has come and will come because of what what we see in the world around us the evil um, the the because of that we will we will know greater good than had it just been n- no evil from the beginning right so these are things that kind of that kind of came along so Augustine, which i'm sure everybody's probably heard of as well um, he started further developing some of these things um, he would say things like uh, we assert both uh that God knows all things before they come to pass, and that we do by our free will whatever we know and feel to be done by us only because we will it. Um, con- continuing to kind of explain um, how how these how, how, how God's providence and free will and human freedom can be um, how they're compatible, he he goes on to say. Uh, so here's here's some, some other quotes here from Augustine. There is an order of causes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of pump the brakes here. This is gonna be one of the this is gonna be one of those Augustine is one of those guys that talks super high. Like he talks about everybody's head that's just his default, so like when we read this quote like get yeah, that this that this guy was <laughs> in some ways, it feels like he was trying to be intentionally difficult, but he was being precise like 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 his loftiness in ideas comes. From his desire to be precise in what he was saying, so when these things sound like they're like whoo way above our heads when we read them, like get that that it's that it's worth considering the the precision that he tries to to put into some of these thoughts. So um, I just wanted to say that before I actually before I actually read this, okay. <laughs> uh, there is an order of causes in which the highest effect is attributed to the will of God, right? So like God being the the, the first and and primary cause here. Um, But it does not follow that, though there is for God a certain order of all causes, there must therefore be nothing depending on the free exercise of our own wills. For our wills themselves are included in that order of causes which is certain to God. Like he's working out like, this is kind of a foreknowledge type, type thing right um, and and is embraced by his foreknowledge for human wills are also the cause of human actions and he who foreknew all the causes of things would certainly not have been ignorant of our wills because they are among those causes so um, what we'll see like from Augustine especially is that the, the Augustine um, went to great strides um, to preserve the ideas of human freedom, while not negating the fact that God was in providential control of of all that He did, like He's That's that basically what just said. yeah yeah like, like He's trying it's basically
1: he, like, um, so any decision or that you made, God foreknew it, it.
0: So but yes, His
1: foreknowledge is uh, makes Him
0: over all of that yeah yeah so God God knows you God knows you so much more infinitely well than you know yourself right? That God, the, the first and ultimate cause of all reality, in His wisdom, in His providence, in His governance over, placed you specifically because He knew you and He knew every reaction in any reality that He could put you in. And He knew if putting you here versus here, certain things would come. From it, right? Yes. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is what I want us to get, and this is why it's a this is why it's a constant wrestle. Because if you were to if you were to go down this path, then you would then you would then you would say so. Those free ones that he placed in a place that would never know or never hear the gospel, like what of right? Like like them being free, no more no more alleviates that problem of evil for them than if they were puppet right like that like there's still this wrestle of well god placed them there and and he knew that the gospel would never reach them there right like there's still this like like even when you even when you alleviate one particular aspect of it there are always places where it's like well how? Like it's still a struggle to see this particular angle or this particular angle. But we work through these things. This is what we should be doing, right? We should be considering and thinking and, and putting in the work um, instead of being lazy and just wanting to be told what to believe, right? Like we should be digging in. So another, um, Augustine argued that evil is not something. This is another. Now I know that you've heard this because this manifests itself in different ways. Um, so know that, that when you hear this, that, that that it had its origins way back in the early church, and people are just kind of modifying that thought today. So August, Augustine argued, and when I say this, I don't necessarily agree with him on this, um, but this is this is what what he what he argued with that evil is not something that exists, rather, and this is the quote: "Evil is nothing but a privation or a negation or absence of good." Um, this is where, like today, you would hear things like if someone 's trying to explain evil, they would be like, "Evil is like darkness right like darkness doesn 't exist, darkness is the absence of light, so like if you 've ever heard that explanation of evil given before like like that 's the same underlying idea is that it, is that, is that augustine 's trying to make the argument that evil is then is the absence of a good right um, again there there would be places that you would be like, "Well, what about this? what about this? What about this but this is that this is that working out, this is that struggling with this this idea. um He worked from the notion that God, who is the supreme good and source of good, created everything good in its original state. truth we see this if we look at Genesis, God's calling everything that he creates good, um, but creatures can fall away from their original goodness. And it is in this loss of goodness that evil consists. Um, here we uh, see the proper use of the word evil, and this is kind of a, this is a quote here for it is um, correctly applied not to essence but to negation or law. So we're still in the early church with this, right? Um, so uh, Anselm coming along, we're not going to finish today even though that we tried to, to get an early start. Um debating on how far we go before. We, let's 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 uh so we're kind of in the we're we're kind of about to, to step into the into kind of the Middle Ages um and some of the quotes of believers during kind of the Middle Ages, this the age in which the church is kind of established, the Catholic Church grows up out of this age. I want us to to, to stop here. We will come back next week. Um, and kind of finish this up looking at other believers in this area I know we've got a baptism this morning so I want us to to get out of here in time for that um, so we'll, we'll stop here and pick up next week um, here where we've left off